0: Welcome to Recovery Connection's podcast, the show that provides information about helping you in substance abuse treatment. For more information, please visit drughelp.info. Now, here are your hosts, Recovery Connection CEO, Michael Breyer, and Chief Clinical Director, Greg Grouston.
1: Welcome to Recovery Connection podcast, where we're here to talk about substance abuse treatment. And... (laughs) This is installment number four. I'm trying to use this new word, installment. It's uh, I'm not still buying yeah. into it. But anyways, I'm your host, Michael Priam, CEO of Recovery Connection. And next to me is my partner in crime, Greg Graustein, who's the chief clinical director at Recovery Connection. And today's topic for you is Matt. No, not my brother, Matt. No, this is medication-assisted treatment Matt. Mm-hmm. M-A-T. I think he spells his... M-A-T-T. M-A-T-T. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, whatever. We don't want to go down that road anyway. So let's talk about medication-assisted treatment here. And I guess let's take the words as they come, which is medication. So right. what are we talking about when we're talking about medication for treatment of substance abuse?
0: Again, like Kleenex, Suboxone, the well-known name of the brand made, medicated, is buprenorphine treatment. And what Medicaid-assisted treatment is, the treatment with medications as well as with recovery counseling. And that is a combination that has now set the gold standard nationwide for treatment of opiate dependency.
1: Okay. And so let's just go a little bit deeper into the idea of Rupinorphine or Suboxone as as most people know it. So.
0: It is a daily dose of buprenorphine. An oral medication of Suboxone is either in a tablet form, in a generic form, or in a film form that looks like a Listerine tab. And that is placed in the mouth, under the tongue, either in front of the tongue or in the buckle side into the mouth to be able to be absorbed. It will take about at least 7 to 10 minutes to, depending on if it's a tablet or a film, to be absorbed into the mucosa or into the body in that area. It is not to be swallowed. It is not to be, if there's a lot of spit, not to be swallowed at that time, not to be having a cigarette at that time, and definitely not to have your morning coffee. It's dissolved right away, and you think it's all done in that period because if you take a cup, sip of coffee, you've just rinsed the medication down into your stomach, and there's very little interaction to absorb into your body doing that.
1: So do you find a lot of people screw up and don't show that they have suboxone in their system because they don't take it properly?
0: Absolutely. It's not something we learned as a kid. If you had a headache and (laughs) taken an aspirin, you popped an aspirin in your mouth and you swallowed and you got the medication in your system. So this is clearly something different for people to be doing and that early on has been a difficulty when a generic tablet or a tablet form was spent, you had to put it under your tongue and wait almost 10 minutes and it created a lot of ponding, a lot of spit in your mouth and you head forward and you couldn't talk to absorb in your body. That's something different. The film or the faster dissolving one didn't create a lot of spit, but then it gave you people to forget that you were actually waiting for it to be absorbed and they drank something and they washed it away. Now, if it's washed away, it defeats the purpose that it's there for. And medically, it is to be absorbed into your body. The buprenorphine goes to the same places where the opiates were. And why buprenorphine is the gold standard, it stays there for a long period of time, allowing the body not to have cravings at that period of time, or to go into withdrawal at that time. So it is really imperative you taking it correctly. Work with the doctor, work with the counselor, review exactly how you take it. You can go to their websites also to see exactly how to do that correctly.
1: Okay. I was always bad at biology and chemistry in school, but I've managed to learn a little bit about this stuff. So it's really, when you say it goes into your body, does it really go into my body or does it really go into my bloodstream that goes into my brain? And my frontal cortex, which is really the, the one that's...
0: It goes into the MU receptors that are actually throughout your entire body and where the opiates go into. And, and so it's going to replace to the areas where op- regular opiates that you were taking and is craving that opiate flavor. This is a partial opiate, so it goes to the same receptors that your body has. And not just in your brain, but there's receptors throughout your whole entire body for that
1: okay i did not know that so when i think that i need something that's my brain telling me that i need something correct so is my brain going to get turned off a little bit because of this
0: no actually your brain is heightened at the moment when you're in withdrawal if you're not putting that regular opiate in this signals being tossed making you feel uncomfortable and potentially starting a withdrawal so this signaling to saying hey something ain't right here I don't have what's called dopamine, uh, and a higher level of dopamine in my body. And lacking dopamine, actually, that's the creating towards that craving level. So, being able to provide that body buprenorphine going into the same receptors, the dopamine level is stabilized, and then it's not your body's not going to start sending you signals. You're going into withdrawal, and now, uncomfortable.
1: I guess the question is how much of this stuff do I need to take on a daily basis so that I don't think that I need to take any other type of opiate?
0: The prescriber recommends that up to eight milligrams are on the first day of dosing. And then 16 milligrams is a target dose starting from the second day on.
1: So that's usually two tablets or two two films,
0: two films about eight milligrams each to 16 milligrams. And you're doing that on a daily once a day daily basis. Or if the doctor has decided to do it twice a day, it's up to the physician's choice to do so. Okay. And that's providing the body with a high, a strong level of buprenorphine to prevent cravings. The first dose is usually to prevent a person they're going into withdrawal because we've asked someone to at least come off their opiates for at least 24 hours. And so they're into a mild and moderate withdrawal. And we want to prevent that fall. And that first dose, does that. It stops the fall into withdrawal. The second day dosing of 16 is actually stabilizing the body for more to preventing any cravings and preventing that any further
1: so I'm not going to be dope sick for a week type of thing nope. with the, the shakes in the bed and the sweats and the the whole nine yards?
0: No, in fact, uh, the first day or two, you might have a little bit of a comfortable, more of a comfortable feeling, and that will stabilize as you maintain that buprenorphine daily dose.
1: Okay, well, that's a positive. Because... If
0: you're taking it correctly and not putting it on top of your tongue and swallowing it, putting it under the buckle in the buckle or under the tongue and dissolving it correctly.
1: Okay, all right. So the medication, obviously... Serves a purpose because it works on those receptors in the body and in the brain. So within
0: within forty-five minutes, the person that was in that moderate feeling of moderate withdrawal will stabilize and not, and so they're going to have almost an immediate effect within that first hour.
1: Okay. So when we talk about MAT programs across the country, what makes what's the other part of the MAT program that makes it the gold standard. Because if it's just medication, it really kind of sounds like a pill mill in a way where you're just giving out pills to people and saying, hey, that's gonna be good enough for you to all of a sudden live a happy, healthy life.
0: If we can prevent the brain first, medication-wise, to stabilize that you're not having this constant urge or threat of withdrawal, and that nervousness or scared, that patient's scared to go into that painful withdrawal, And we've been able to give you a medication to stabilize that. And all of a sudden you go, and what I call the aha experience, oh, my God, I feel fantastic (laughs) again. I feel normal. And that's when many of the patients had stated, I feel normal. That's fine. But we have a litany of issues that you just came out of, be a year, two years, three years, or years of dependency issues that's recovery. We need to start addressing that. And that's where Medicaid-assisted treatment is, that there's someone's going to assist you in treatment. And that means that counselor is to work with you on that treatment plan specific to you to address why you became dependent. Was it an issue of an accident, a doctor prescription, or was it a generation of different types of drugs that got you into all the way up to heroin? And that's where... The treatment of medicated assisted treatment is there we're assisting you with that counseling, and the, which is the recovery and recovery, the word means this: it's recovering your life. It doesn't mean they're not using drugs again, it's to recover what you once lost and recover the areas of time that you lost that you would have normal mental growth about how to be a community person.
1: okay, all right, so what about? Uh, uh, I know this to be a fact that so many of the patients that do have substance abuse problems also have other issues that they're dealing with. And how do you deal with so many potential different issues at the same time when you're, Looking for treatment,
0: I guess. With the 60% comorbidity, which means 60% of uh, patients with opiate issues also have an underlying mental health issue. And that may be...
1: What would be, just to slow you down a second, what would be some of the types of common other issues that patients might have?
0: So depression... Maybe PTSD, that you've had some trauma in your life and working on emotional issues that you've had and you reached out to use drugs to deal with antisocial, not antisocial, but social behaviors that you taught yourself the only way I could be part of a group was to be high or drunk or, or, or inebriated, a class clown, and, and the only way that you get attention, and that's what brought you into it. And now that we strip your way of dealing with it, which was getting on opiates, now we remove that by stabilizing your body, you're still with left with, I feel like an outsider. So you need to adrenify is there something psychologically supports that you need to put in place and learn to be to identify those issues. Maybe there's a solid ADD issue that is in there that needs to be Medicaid assisted treatment but treatment by maybe one of our nurse psychiatrists that who's going to be able to evaluate you in a different way so we can maybe try other medications in regards to psych- psychological supports.
1: Okay. All right. So anxiety, I assume, is another common one. Sure. I might even have other issues such as ADD, ADHD, mm. those kind of things. Correct. And the counselor's going to help me with all of those or maybe some of them and maybe not all of them?
0: Well, well, they're going to evaluate and either address those issues or even to recommend, depending on the level of need, to a psychiatrist or to to, to assist that psychiatrist with the treatment plan. All right.
1: So let's talk a little bit more about the counselor and the behavioral health aspect of treatment. because. The way I see the future right now, at least in the short term, is this pandemic has made things worse for people, not better for people, obviously. And anxiety, depression, drug use are going to be probably more prevalent. And I don't really think on a personal basis, I don't think that the medication is sufficient enough to solve our problems when it comes to battling substance abuse. I really feel that the counseling is really the, the more important part of the treatment than the medication is. I mean, that medication has a point in stabilizing you and getting you back to a normal life in the way you feel. However, things like the pandemic are the types of things that will create anxiety and depression in your life, which might force you to go back to relapsing again. Absolutely. And I guess the question is really, what should I expect that my counselor is going to do for me to help me with these issues?
0: Opiate dependency is a recurring disease. So you're always going to be challenged even on medication by your environment and by, by your actions of a potential back to slip or use again. And it's not the, we're not going to kick you out. (laughs) We're not going to remove you from it. We recognize that the body's fighting against you at some point in time, how you set your path of recovery and plan as well as picking yourself back up if you do slip or if you do use. And then is then why am I using another drug like cocaine or why am I using something else in lieu of using my opiates anymore? Now I'm just going to try something else. Okay, why are we doing that? And you need to make sure that you setting different types of plans. And if you've got six months without any other types of drug use and you slip up, can you get seven months the next time? We're expecting again as we start. I like that before, little post and you just trying to posts. get
1: another yard. L- l- we
0: said this is a this is a recovery of a marathon. This is not a sprint. Just because we saved today doesn't mean tomorrow. We need to get more tomorrows. And if you got a week's worth, fantastic. If you, the next time you got two weeks worth, fantastic. You're making a plan, but it's it, it's inevitably certain times you're going to stumble life is difficult and mostly in this. So
1: I, I think the other thing that those of you listening to this should also be thinking about is that this is a two way street here. And it's not that you're going to come to any type of a office for treatment and that it's all going to be dictated to you and that would normally make it successful. But rather if you're not participatory in the process, honest with the counselors, honest with the doctors, honest with yourself right. about what's going on, it's really difficult for anybody to give you treatment that's going to be long lasting because it's not one size fits all. And I,
0: we are the inspiration, you're the perspiration we are going to continue to inspire you to reach as best you can for recovery that's what you came for we're not going to kick you to the curb if you continue to show up wanting and trying to fight for your own recovery the people that we can't help are the people who are no longer with us so you have a chance of recovery if you want it we're here to try to help you and we want to inspire you into trying to find work individually what is going to get you on that constant path of making sure that your life is as best as you can get.
1: I think the other thing to remember is counseling is going to be forever. You might get yourself off of the medication part of it, Mm -hmm. It's not easy. I won't claim that's uh, one of those processes that you're going to, all of a sudden, if you've had a, a multi-year heroin addiction and that you think you're going to take this buprenorphine or Suboxone and all of a sudden you're magically not going to have to take a for a long period of time and you're going to be cured for the rest of your life, I, I think you're a little naive here or actually very naive. I mean, it's a longer process than that. But even if you do, and let's say you're on it for two years, three years, I don't know, however long it might take you before you don't need the medical part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't foresee that you're not going to need the counseling part of it for a longer period of time than that.
0: Sure. The, the recovery and, and learning the skills of how to be a person supports are always should be in place. And as you said, medicated assisted treatment a person a spectrum of care of starting on buprenorphine for a short period of time and i've never said to be always on it for life but there's always that option but it's individual treatment to meet and match the person's needs and how much they educate themselves about it their dependency educate about them own body and work with the doctors and counselors to make that next choices of what's safe in your process of recovery and Possibility coming off is something that can happen. It doesn't mean that you're a lifelong medication on medications. However, people so choose to sing. That's what I want to do because on how wonderful I feel. However, the supportive counseling and where counseling is something is needed because those issues that brought you to having the dependency need to consistently be de- <laughs>
1: I mean, I think, the, I think the reality of life is that even if you feel good in your situation currently mm-hmm. and you might have a good relationship with your, your spouse or and you might, your kids are doing great and everything else, six months from now, you could lose your job. Life goes hell to a handbasket and you're thinking about going back to the way life used to be where you didn't feel any pain because you took a shot and all of a sudden you felt good for the next 12 hours or so living in la land and... Listen, I I understand, and I know what that euphoric feeling is like, and and it can be very tempting to go back there, especially when you're facing... Very trying times in your life, and sure. I, I, th- I think the pandemic is just a, a perfect example of those kind of times for many people out
0: there. Right. They, it, if I can't take a vacation, I'll take a mental vacation and go, go on to a drug binge or something like that nature, which could put an end to your life, actually.
1: I think you should always just remember that while the medication might come and go... The counseling probably is not going to go anywhere and you're going to be doing counseling for a long period of time. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's not a, uh, it's not a prison sentence that you're committed to, but rather it's just a support system that Mm -hmm. will help you along with your family and your friends that are trying to just have you live a normal life. And that's always what you should be looking for. And you should be looking for a place that's going to offer you that kind of support.
0: Absolutely. All
1: right. Well, thank you very much. That was episode number four. I'm going back to the word episode. (laughs) Uh, You can always look at our library of other podcasts for other topics that you might be interested in. You might give us a call, 877-557-3155. Even if we're not in your area, we'd be more than happy to refer you to where you can find support in your particular state. You can also go to our website, which is drughelp.info, drughel Yes, that's not .com. That's .info because it's information. And we will be back with more episodes in the future. Feel free to give us, reach out and contact us with any questions that you might have. Thank you very much and have a great day.